0: This is the Penalty Office Music Business 101 Podcast Series. I'm Neil Levine. And I'm Warren Schatz. We'll be having conversations about everything from old school music business to the current state of the business. Everything from hip-hop to pop. We'll have lots of guests and go pretty deep. So, Neil,
1: after you left Sony Jive, what was your state of mind? What what did you do next?
0: My state of mind was... um, Wanting to stay in the music business and realizing I was getting a little bit older and um, I wasn't the new hot kid and realizing that my phone wasn't ringing the same way. So um, so it was a difficult time, um, you know, for me. And if you're in the music business or you're a musician, the one thing you have to realize is that You have to pick yourself back up. You have to dust yourself off, pick yourself up, and move on. So, I ended up, uh, right away, I ended up getting a consulting job for Entertainment One, E1. Um, I got a phone call from Michael Koch. Michael Koch was trying to hire me at Koch for years, and it seemed like an opportunity to finally um, take a consulting job. So he offered me a job as Senior Vice President of uh, Business Development at E1, which was a cool gig because I was still bringing in music deals and signing them to, to the distribution company at E1 and working with Alan Grumblatt on some things that were signed directly to E1 and also working on some TV and uh, film projects. So uh, I was very lucky, once again, that I found a really cool consulting job. It wasn't a full-time job, and it was making way less than I was used to making, but I was staying relevant, staying in the business, and continuing the the path.
1: But I also know that before Michael, you were making calls michael guido was making calls on your behalf to try to get you a job what what happened like what was well no
0: one no one was biting um you know again i found out that uh, my phone wasn't ringing i wasn't getting jobs i wasn't getting the offers i thought i'd have a job right away but i didn't so um were you
1: contacting people
0: i was contacting people I was yeah, I was networking. I have a I have a great network uh, from you know many years in the music business. Um, some people would return my call, other people didn't. But I realized moving forward in my career, especially at the age I was at the time, I would have to work for myself and and put together you know businesses that I can continue to stay involved with and stay in the business. So that wasn't an an easy time for me, Um, and that was already seven years ago. No, that was, wow, that was um, eight, nine and a half years ago. Right. That that long? Yeah.
1: Wow. So there was this whole period of three or four years that you, you were working for Koch, but you continued to look for jobs?
0: You know, at that point, I realized I, I wasn't really looking for jobs. I was looking for for you know r- really uh, you know, opportunities. wasn't looking for jobs. Looking for what's next. And uh, until that point, I've always found what's next. And uh, the the Koch job lasted. The E one job lasted for two years until Michael Koch retired. And during that time, I realized I've been an entrepreneur my whole career, and it was time to, you know, put that hat on once again. So I always had this, this yearning to relaunch as, as for Penalty as a freestanding independent label. And it seemed like an opportunity at that time. I knew that I was going to be leaving E1 um, with Michael leaving, and also just realizing of kind of uh, I'm too old to have a job, I started realizing. Was, it, was
1: it, that like one of the big things that you were finding? Do you think it was age-related, why people were not?
0: It was definitely age-related for me. Um, you know, I, I had a couple of interviews with 30-something-year-old people who were running divisions and running companies, and I realized that's not a fit for me. Um so I realized i gotta i gotta put on you know the entrepreneur hat and find what businesses made sense for me
1: so at that point, you made a decision to relaunch penalty
0: yes i made a i made a decision um I got my trademark back years ago and I made the decision to relaunch the company. I thought it was an interesting time to Uh, relaunch an independent label or launch an independent label. There was still uh, an album business. So this was in um, the very beginning, January of 2014. So the business was a very different business six years ago. And um, we ended up doing a deal with Sony Music to do some, uh, to help fund the venture.
1: Well, let's go back.
0: You made this decision
1: to start Penalty again. You had gotten some other offers from other distributors. Yes. Like, I know you had an offer from Caroline.
0: I had an offer from Caroline, uh, which um, I was excited about. Caroline was a company that I... A division that I worked for for a while when I was at EMI Music, so it made sense for me. They were going to advance some money to get the company going. Um, and it was a it was a solid deal, and I planned on doing it.
1: And what made you make up your mind to go with Bob Morelli at Red?
0: Well, I always had a great relationship with Bob Morelli, who uh, at the time was president of, of Red. Um, but what really got it moving forward is Tom Caraba, who I worked with at Jive. Tom was the executive vice president general manager for Jive Records for many years, and uh, a good friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, was uh, was over at Red, um, starting a new division, uh, a label division, which was kind of a hybrid division that would provide label services, and they were working all the projects that were Sony joint ventures. So um, Tom went to Bob and said, "Hey, Neil Levine's ready to sign a deal at Caroline. I think I think there should be an opportunity for him here." So they called me up, and they made an offer that I couldn't refuse, a really competitive deal, uh, real belief in me and the company. And so that's why we signed. And that's when you called me. And that's when I called you, Warren Schatz. I said, I said, hey, we got a new company. You want to be involved? And I said, yeah,
1: I'm not doing anything right now. The first year, we didn't take a dime out oh. of the company, we didn't we didn't pay ourselves. We were just doing it to get the thing going, and and, and it was it was fun. It and even was fun. the
0: second year, we barely uh, paid each other. Even throughout the entire time, we no, barely paid ourselves. Well, at one
1: point, we started paying ourselves a little bit because it was getting ridiculous, but not very much. But God bless Bob Morelli for like seeing us through some of our overhead challenges. So I remember the first thing that we signed was High rez Am I right?
0: You are right. High rez just graduated from high school and um, was a, a white rapper living in Miami. That's where he was from. And we signed him to really his first first record deal.
1: Maybe I'll play a little bit of one of his things, you know, a few seconds. Gumdrop. You already know me with your girl in the sheets that you keep it low-key. In the city getting dope, blow it by the OZ. menu you up shot his face, me. i let the whole breathe. Papa try to get a nut And out the womb. Came a nut jar. We on the corner with the quarters like a bus stop. So place your order, cause we grindin', screamin' fuck ass. Don't talk my money, stupid dummy, that'll be gunshots We livin' life to the fullest, we got one shot. We rollin' weed, blowin' trees, taking sunshots. Let's hit the hotel, girl. That's where a fun start. I wanna put it in your mouth like a gum drop, Like a gum drop, good good.
0: Hi Rez also is known. He, like, after he left the company, um, we, he did this Burger King rap that went viral and exploded. And Rez continues to tour, continues to make music, and the project we put out did surprisingly, uh, well, you know, years later, which we didn't realize how streaming was going to take off. And as yeah, it Yeah, we, we were still selling CDs. <laughs> we were selling CDs, and we were selling and downloads, downloads. And downloads. Um, so we signed Hi res to an EP deal. It didn't do great out of the box, but four or five years later, it's it was one selling. of our top uh, sellers it's still from selling. a streaming uh, standpoint. The next artist that we, we
1: did, was it Little Mo. Or was it Joel
0: I think it was Joel Ortiz, um, and that was an opportunity for us because I was a big fan of Joel, he, he's an amazing rapper, great lyricist, and he was looking for a new home and um, so we did an e p no, we did an album we did an album called House Slippers." and I thought that album was a great album. Warren Schatz mastered it. <laughs> um, and um, it was just a terrific album. I am really I'll, proud of that.
1: I'll play a little bit right now of, of a key
0: cut. A, a music Saved My Life was yeah. still, I still listen to that record and it still holds up. I'll play it now. <laughs> uh, yeah early on i knew i was a fan hung am ice cream truck be holding mama's hand told him to turn it up in the dollar van nobody
1: more walk better in they pajama pants i used to try to tap like gregory hines lean on me
0: word for word i knew every line my mom's blasting i need a baker no wonder i could bake it with a piece of paper yeah looking back daddy left back it was cool old music was my stepdad I was raised by Stevie Wonder, Lionel Richie Luther and all the Jackson brothers. Used to close my eyes as he far away. On harder days I would chop
1: it up with Marvin Gaye. It was just a matter of time I took a crack at a rhyme and worked this magic of mine. And Joel did a bunch of great videos.
0: Yeah, the last video that he did was... uh, Phone. Phone. Which was unbelievable. Yeah, it was really a cool cool video. Um, And and a really great song. You know, again, out of all the rappers I've worked with, I just loved working with with Joel. First of all, he was the nicest guy, really down to earth. And he could really spit like no one else.
1: No, good guy. He
0: can spit. Good guy. Good guy. Uh, and after that, I think Little Mo. Little Mo. I think Little Mo came out next, and um, it was great working with her. She's a pro. Um, you know, there's always a, a few bumps along the road, but we had a good moment with with Little Mo. Shout out, Little Mo. And then, um, I always wanted to do another Capone and Noriega. They were birthed on, on penalty with the war report. And a dream to me was to get the group back together in the studio making records. And the album was called Lessons. And it, was, it really came full circle for me personally because there were relationships that needed to be repaired, not necessarily with me and the group, but other people involved. We had tragedy, Gaddafi, uh, on that album. Tragedy was very much part of the war report, so to see him back part of the group, um, and it was just a, it was a great Capone Noriega album.
1: Let me play a little bit of, of, of cut. Great. You know,
0: what I mean? you know what I mean? All the time they gotta give records and love to a nigga who passed away or a nigga who's in jail. Right now I'm giving love to a real, one of the realest niggas I ever met. And he's alive.
1: Yeah, I mean, fuck it. Uh, they only give you flowers when you can't smell them. Well, I'ma give you trees when you can't the hell them.
0: You did a bit for the team, we won't forget that. Caught me any type of nights, we would chit chat. my, your man's all real. Keep, 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 keep it real oh. Ooh my, your man's all real Keep, 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 keep it real vision a better
1: life Through the eyes of a dreamer Until the poison got between us like an inch of Venus Every man's accountable for his own demons Deep in the shadows of my mind I can hear him screaming That album was... Pretty pristine. After that, we did Static Selector,
0: Static Selector with King Crooked, another amazing MC with an amazing hip hop DJ. I felt we were kind of getting on on a roll at that point. We did lose a Ghostface deal, if you remember that first oh, year, which Jesus. would have been which would have been um, great to have part of our roster. Oh, we also with uh, our first year. Um, The end of first year, we also signed Trina, so Trina was with us for quite a while. Uh, The album was supposed—we signed the deal Christmas of 2014. The album was supposed to come out June of 2015.
1: Let's talk about Static. Okay. So, um, what do what were your feelings about the album?
0: I I love the album. I um, especially love this lyric video that uh, that that you did, Warren, which um, I thought was a brilliant video. And, well, it um, only
1: took me, you know, ten days to
0: edit the thing. well the thing was amazing, you know? and uh, it was a really I was really proud of that that record. I thought it was was really. Um,
1: I just thought it was so cool to have Static on Penalty.
0: Yeah, you know, you know? Um, and and again, and I'm nice want, guy, Yeah, nice guy. We wanted to do more Static Selector. Uh, albums with other with other artists. It just never came together, and we finally ran out of time. But um, I thought I thought that was a really great uh, penalty record that uh, that I'm proud of today. <laughs>
1: When it's up. They told me I would never succeed. I would only end up dead on jail. I'm free. I'm alive. I got money. I ain't dead. Think you harder than the hardest Picture me debating No time to argue with you artists If you do a song with me I'm probably just targeting your market And then I take them home with me And win that argument regardless You hustle to be seen I read that on a meme I get paper and disappear Call that vanishing cream Yeah, I do work with the slaughters But I'm so on top of my business That I probably go harder As part of the management team I just step into the booth After I executive produce And I'm effective as a noose Cause hoes wanna hang Cook me breakfast in the news Scramble eggs, I'm sipping juice And I still conceal Still that Beretta is recluse I'm from the And then we got the Trina ever situation ever the, Probably put out four or five singles And they were streaming through the roof This is like all of a sudden the downloads had stopped And now the streaming and Trina's singles were like They were acting almost like hit records Although none of them were
0: Yeah, the thing that Trina, those Trina projects really convinced me that the streaming business was a viable business for the right artists. And, and as you said, you know, we put out a number of non-hits from Trina, and they all streamed well. We have a, we had one record called Fuckboy. Like Six in the morning, nigga, at my door. I'm trying to figure out what he out there for. Last time I seen him, he was talking shit. Found out his new girl can't suck no dick. Hit in the car, I ain't let him in. Pussy nigga lucky I ain't fuck his friends. Probably thought a bitch would be down and out. Till he see me rotting brown in that chrome out bin South Beach nigga, you ain't about that life You cross that bridge, they're taking all that ice You will not know problems with them boys from the bottom Strip your ass butt naked and hit the turnpike You's a fuck boy, fuck boy My bitch Ben said it That's why I should have let your best friend get it We went on trips, you bought Chanel But money ain't shit when you soft as hell Fuck boy, fuck boy, fuck fuck boy. Boy. Fuck, 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 fuck boy, boy. And um, so, yeah, so then we, we moved on from, well, Trina was with us for a while. And we ended up giving the album back before it was, we just ran out of steam at Penalty. And Penalty 2.0, which was w- what we did together, was was over. We, we basically, like a lot of independent companies, we never really had the funding to properly uh, do the label, especially in hip-hop. When hip-hop started ruling... On the streaming uh, at DSPs, that's when all the majors uh, devoted all their budgets to hip hop, and they were they were looking at the same data points as we were, and they were paying millions of dollars to sign the these records.
1: And right in the right in the middle of Trina, we made a decision to do label services because we saw a lot of people that had a lot of promise. And they have, some of them actually had a decent amount of money that they were spending, but they were spending it unwisely. And we thought, you know, like if we were careful w- with this, we could really help some people and, and give back a little bit too and make a couple of shekels for ourselves. But mostly it was like seeing a need. Uh, th- let's talk talk to me about that
0: yeah I mean you you know my background and on one of the podcasts we talked about round the globe music so round the globe music was my baby and again that was a full service marketing and promotion company so I always had that in me um, to to work with clients artists and labels to to give them structure and a cohesive plan so um, so when when we were talking about how can we make other revenue, and with our experience, how can we give back and really help these artists? It just made natural sense to not recreate what I did in the 90s, but to really look at the business in a very different way. By the time we st- we really went into the label service business, streaming it took over. So, you know, we were we were very fortunate. We were uh, older record guys, but we were right on the pulse of what was happening with streaming and understanding playlisting and playlisting strategies. So it just made perfect sense.
1: And the importance of social media. I mean, at looking at everyone looking at social media to make decisions of what they should be doing. Any of everything from blogs to radio, they were looking at your numbers. Are 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 your Are your social media numbers going to make a difference for what they're doing?
0: Yeah. You know, it's amazing from the time we were both signing artists um, how it's changed. So much of the business was based on our gut, things we liked, things we thought were commercially viable. And we would invest money, either the company's money or our personal money, on launching projects. Well... You know, social media just kind of changed the game. It was such an important piece, and it is such an important piece. So, a lot of what we do for our clients is really making sure that there's a foundation for them to grow their social media, to get their music out. And and most of all, to have a real plan, a rollout plan.
1: Yeah, and not spend money like hand over fists in the wrong places. To do things like we do. We treated all of these people like it was our project, the way we do. We do things incrementally. We wait to see if we have something, create a buzz. Does anyone respond? Does anyone react? Before we go spend the next amount of money. And we were helping organize. And we still do. We, you know... It's great. Uh, it's it's turned into a really nice thing, and it feels good.
0: We work with some really nice people. Ern Harris, you're one of them. Yeah, we we really um, we're, we're pretty picky. Like we gotta we gotta believe that the music is commercially viable, but just as important, we want to work with clients that we like. Like we're not kids, and we're not going to be abused. And, um, and and so for us, there's a, you know, we don't work for people until we meet them personally. We want to make sure there's a vibe there. We don't over-promise. We try to over-deliver. We make sure everyone understands the realities of making money, making dollars in the recorded music business. Very, very challenging these days. And
1: things. the new paradigm from my point of view is like, Recorded music has become the platform for performances, stage performances. It's like your calling card. So regardless of what you make in the recorded music, the whole idea is to get you out there uh, performing because that's where some real dollars
0: still exist. And merch, you know, your T-shirts, your hats, your hoodies... Yeah, we build uh, websites, all that stuff. We build websites for for people
1: and and set up sh- uh, Shopify stores and create mock-ups and do the whole thing.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's great. One of my most recent um, consulting positions, which is now a couple of years old, was I consulted for a company, Pledge Music, and uh, Pledge really opened up my my eyes quite a bit to to uh, what fans, what super fans, I should say, are willing to pay and stay close to the artist. You know, sometimes working at record companies, we forget that. So at Pledge, we would do exclusive experiences, all types of exclusive stuff, and we would charge a premium for those things. And so, you know, building that fan base is so essential nowadays so you can, you know, upsell all your other stuff and... Fans that really connect with your music will support you.
1: That's really true and really great.
0: So I think we have enough here. I think we're good.
1: So uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. Thanks,
0: guys. Really appreciate it.
1: The next things you'll hear, Neil's going to interview me about my illustrious history. So we will see you next time.
0: Yes, we're signing off to this. And we'll be signing back in um, to explain Warren Schatz's legacy. Uh. Um, And, guys, if you're, I think it's important to understand the history of the recorded music business to understand where we are today. So, see you later. Take care.